All right, people, welcome to Jessica Jones, Season 1, Episode 8, a.k.a. WWJD, What Would Jessica Do? Or Jesse. I haven't talked about this, we're at Episode 10. The fact that her name being Jessica might be working at me uh, at some deeper level. <laughs> um, especially because I actually have uh, one or two really close female friends named Jessica. And, uh, you know, if you think about it, so I'm 34, you know, there aren't many people that are more than a few years older than me that have the name Jessica. It really was popular for my generation and, you know, late 70s to early mid 80s. There are tons of Jessicas within a few years of me. And, uh, you know, for Brian Michael Bendis to choose the name Jessica, obviously Jessica Jones rolls off the tongue uh, beautifully. However... In 1992, you know, Jessica wouldn't have been something on his mind. And today it would be, you know, like Kelly or, uh, I don't know, what's popular today? Ellie. Marissa's still popular. Marissa's stayed popular. Jessica. 2001, publication of Alias, episode one, Jessica Jones. I would have been 20. I can't wait to read it, but right now, this is... I don't say this lightly, people. You've, you know, if you're listening to this, you've probably heard a bunch of my commentaries, not just the TV stuff here. But in my Mount Rushmore of single episode TV um, episodes based on a great show, you know, hard to put them up there. Um, the obvious one is the Stringer Bell, Avon Barksdale, late season three of The Wire, where they're on the roof together and pretending to celebrate and love each other, and they do love each other, but they're both plotting each other's death, and they're reliving old times. Here's young Jessica, who's amazing. She has a great look to her. I have a friend who looks exactly like this girl. In fact, I think that girl might be part Asian. I'll get back to that. So, we'll get flashbacks throughout. That's the whole point, triggering memories. But, uh, hi Hank. <laughs> I slip sometimes. Okay, I'll go back to best episodes. Right, so she needs to engage him in half lies, the way that he utilizes them. She, he, she knows she needs to fight fire with fire. So when she says, I wouldn't have walked in that door if I was going to attack you, uh, that's true in the short term, but in the long term, she wants to attack him. He probably knows that. Oh, right, they got they stole the phone. Right, and this is all part of the plan, I think, you know, to make him feel in control over her. Yeah, that's way too sloppy for Jessica to do accidentally but she has a great poker face i mean that's the whole point of the series jessica has a great poker face and that's why you have i mean to be a liar you need to have a dark side you know like i talk about like my mom and my sister are horrible liars because they never lie when they do it's over a tidy thing and they're terrible at it because they're such good honest people you need a little bit of a dark side to be able to pull off that face and and uh play with half truths right i choose that you don't touch me Oh please, ever. He, he he can't believe it. He's he's very patient. Your genuine consent when you give your genuine consent, not if. 
his enjoyment of her revisiting her childhood is as creepy as anything that we see or hear from him. And the Dollhouse episode here, which flips it on its head in so many ways. And again, as with many great episodes, this is really a two-parter. I mentioned the Homeland two-parter, early season two, where uh, Claire Danes flips uh, Damien uh, Lewis, who's playing Brody. Carrie flips Brody to the good guys. And it's very condensing over a two-episode period. Uh, I would say uh, a <laughs> time-honored tradition. No, man. Yep, first clue about the parents. He's obsessed with the parents. She learns about the parents here. He he lowers his guard to sin. She's already got this whole thing plotted out. And, uh, you know, she'd be happy just to get Kilgrave out of this situation, but to also know how to torment him was important. You know, and Kilgrave is flawless, except around her. He slips around her. And though his love may be demented, misplaced, and evil, nevertheless, love makes everyone act irrationally, even the worst people. Right, right. he got, I mean, he, he restored, you know, antique furniture from pictures from the realtor. It is crazy, you know. The thing is, logistically, it's hard to believe, but they played it so this has happened over some time that has passed. It doesn't matter because it's all about what it's saying about the character, the lengths that he'll go to, thinking that this will somehow, you know, seduce her. <laughs> the staff. <laughs> he doesn't know their names. Alright, we're going to see these guys again, almost killing themselves because of Kilgrave. Sanctimonious. <laughs> Right, he thinks because he's paying them a lot of money that somehow that justifies his behavior. <laughs> Some of us give people second chance. Yeah, he's saying, Jessica, give me a second chance. It won't be as horrific as last time. I'm, I've changed, even though you've seen them not change by killing Ruben. I'm tired. Oh man, your room awaits. The thing is, David Tennyson is a really good-looking guy. I mean, he's very dashing, you know. He's he's got a slim but pretty belt figure. The way he moves with his confidence, you know. If he wasn't an evil mind-controlled douchebag, maybe she would like this guy in a different light or different life. Dead brother, I get that, right? He, she's, uh, he's testing her boundaries. The coup de grace. <laughs> I believe it's coup de grace. I could be wrong. Okay, this is great. So, and this is where the time thing doesn't make sense. She's supposed to be 30. She's my age in real life, 34. The Green Day and Nirvana posters, that is for people of our exact age who are like 11, 12, 13, 14 when the grunge and, you know, neo-punk movement happened. They should have just made the journal earlier, but maybe they didn't, you know, they felt like they wanted Jessica to be 30 instead of 34, you know, I mean, <laughs> who knows how these decisions are made, there's binoculars, I don't know how he knew that she had binoculars there, yeah, oh god, it's not enough to try and seduce her slowly over time, he wants constant appreciation for somehow making dreams come true that she'd never had, oh man, he's peeping on her. Nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah, he's such a voyeur. 
And like all evil people, his combination of, of, of evil and high intelligence, um, you know, does allow him to access some brutal truths about reality. Okay, here we go. Trish on the phone. I forget what happens here. You're not in jail. Is she going to tell the truth? Yep. <laughs> Do you want to invite her over? I can't believe the balls of this guy. <laughs> Looks him in the eye. Psychotic, repulsive waste of a human being. If I were under his control, he would never let me say that. <laughs> he has to appreciate the logic. <laughs> Again, half truth. She's giving up some control to him, at least on the surface. But she's still in control more than we think, or definitely than he thinks. Okay, so now Simpson's going AWOL and, go, you know, becoming the obsessed soldier. The thing is, is, you know, by now, we just don't see enough of uh, Will, you know, and they don't remind us uh, why he hates Kilgrave so much. Maybe because it's a binge-watch Netflix series, you don't have to do that, because you've probably seen, you know, episodes one, two, three, less than a week before episodes seven, eight, nine, uh, most likely. <laughs> This is great. I mean, this is, you know, and this is why feminists love this show. It's not just that she's militant, you know, physically. Oh, look, touching the door. Man, he wants her so bad. <laughs> um, it, Which is that she is in this. I can't believe he thinks she's going to wear that. It's purple, by the way. Yeah. I called her purple, but she is really, you know, very dark blue, and he's very dark purple. But very dark blue and purple are close together on the spectrum. But, you know, she has to play the victim or semi-victim here to draw him off guard, initiate her real plan. So when you see the next episode and she's in charge and she's electrocuting him and torturing him with videos of his childhood being of him being tortured and experimented on, um, I thought there was going to be a vision coming here. They just show her sleeping. <laughs> How do people live like this? Right. Day after day, just hoping people are going to want to do something you know, on their own, not under my control. Finally. You know, but it, she she's playing the victim because it's her advantage, not because she feels like a victim. The thing about Jessica Jones's character is she knows she's a victim and she suffers from a lot of PTSD. Obviously, we've seen that many times over the course of the series, but she doesn't see herself like as the support people do, and that's why she hates the support group, uh, or she says she does, because she doesn't feel like a victim. She's defending victims. You know, she thinks she's given up being a superhero, but what she doesn't realize, really until the end of the series, and maybe not even that, is that she's being a superhero now with everything that she's doing. And this is actually, you know, when you're Thor and you have your hammer, you can just smash through everything and solve the situation that way. But, you know, she's trying to take him out, but keep him alive, but take away his mind control powers to save women and other people that he's raped and, and hurt and tortured.
Weird wild word. Anything could happen. All right. He he really convinced himself that she's gonna turn. Okay, so this is uh, right. Them misremembering each other's favorite meals or whatever it is. Or him assigning it to her and her saying, "I hate it." And who knows? She's just uh, yeah. She's gonna be consuming a liquid meal. This is great. I mean, that's just grape juice, but still hard to do. <laughs> Oh, man. She could drink the whole bottle. Maybe two. I think they would pass the hell out. Mmm. Only way I get through my days. Oh, uh, you, uh, you blame me for your drinking problem. Come on, it wasn't all bad. It ended roughly. <sighs> right. Here it is. He tries to spin this. Right, it's important that he said take care of her. Right. This so this is the first memory argument that they have. Okay, so this would be a scene where he would f- uh uh She's testing the safeguards, but telling him that she's testing him. She's trying to keep it above board as much as possible. That's the thing with when you have an extended lie, even f- when it's for a good purpose, like what Jessica's trying to do. You need to tell a lot of small lies, but you also need to tell enough truths to keep it believable, both in terms of the facts and in terms of how you deliver it and, and believe it yourself. Until I choose you, <laughs> you really do have a knack for destroying the poetry of the heart. <laughs> And she, oh uh, yeah, and he, that's the thing. He, he can't hurt her directly, but he can hurt her by hurting other people in front of her or people that are close to her. He thinks he's. I think Kilgrave's made a breakthrough with this little guilt trip here. Notice he did leave the lock on her door. I mean, even Kilgrave, who doesn't have superpowers, um, could probably get through the lock. But it was important that. You know, he give the illusion of privacy or whatever. Yeah, he opens the brother's door, knowing it's going to fuck with her. And what's great about the episode is y- you kind of know Jessica's getting out of this place, but you don't know when and you don't know how. Oh, it's a well. What an idiot. You're under his control. <laughs> She's really trying not to kill this guy. I'm drugged to stay out of my shit that sums it up yeah I mean if you take Will out of you know the second half of the series what does it look like I don't know I I maybe would have pulled him for a few episodes including this one and and then have him reappear when you think he's been gone just be straight up bad guy like he becomes later or at least an insane maniac When he's first trying to make amends with Trish in episode like three or four, talks about how he's the good guy and that's part of why he's so horrified is he's the one that saves people. But that's just Trish, you know, when it comes to hope, going to death row or whatever. He doesn't give two shits. And that's the thing. It, it's not even a turn in his character. It's just they it's it's like I hate to use the, the prequels, uh 
analogy again, but yeah, you know, like they they cast Hayden Christensen at, to be the evil Anakin, almost Vader Skywalker, not the you know troubled but you know good mostly good hearted. Uh, complicated young character that we were hoping he would be, which would make the turn way more interesting. You know, Will's turn isn't that interesting because you never trust him. Uh, there's a bomb. She tells him. And, right, this actually works for Jessica's advantage. I'm not sure I've ever thought of it this way before. You know, because however she got this information, she immediately tells Kilgrave when she could have left. Unlucky guess. Uh, he's on to Simpson. Yeah. Right. Who would have killed everyone in the house? Mm-hmm. Right. Use your powers to compel murder. You need to ne- add a new law for that. That's the problem. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> That's, uh, you could give him anything, you know. It's, it's like Peter Dinklage. You just never want Kilgrave to stop talking. I hate to say it. Because uh, the more he talks, the more you want the beatdown that you know is coming. I have a conscience. I'm just more selective. I care if you die exactly. The rest are fungible. I'll see you in the morning. Okay, so the mid part of this episode is where she tries to, on the surface, turn him into a superhero. But her motives are not exactly what they seem. So he's, she's got, right, she got Will's phone. Uh, you know, Kilgrave wouldn't think to search for another phone. Jessica's just that smart, and she got the recording going. Get evidence. That's the whole point of the torturing in the next episode, is to get evidence. Uh-oh. Yeah, this is beyond toxic. That doesn't make me a monster. Not a monster. Bastard. I love that she calls her a bastard. <laughs> This is a great line coming up. Why did you marry me? Right. She because as beautiful and smart as as Hogarth is, even now, but especially when she's younger. Well, I liked you. Yeah. She finally says it. Right. But I like you when you're not trying to, you know, get what's yours. You don't love me anymore. And that's what makes Wendy's character truly pathetic. In both the common sense of pathetic, but also the literary sense of pathos, of sad, you know, tragic character. Midlife crisis. I built everything around you. Yeah. Hogarth gets sick of this guilt tripping very quickly. You have him and I have nothing. Yeah, the problem is, is Wendy lets this turn her into a bad person. She should have taken 50% and tried to start a new life. And the fact that she's not very attractive, um, for, at least from a, a movie standpoint, although she does have a great look to her. Um, they do stuff with her face. They, they, It's like her face is red all the time. And, oh, man, now she's going after Pam. But anyways, yeah. If you just look at what Wendy's saying, she's mostly right, so you have to make her someone unlikable. <laughs> she's still thinking Jessica's concerned with Wendy. Oh, she's with Kilgrave. Oh, man. Now Hogarth knows. He 
Yeah, I mean, Hogarth's actions in the next episode or two really make her, uh, you know, as bad as Kilgrave in a way. We'll get there. Hey, babe. You look amazing. This is where Trish calls about, uh, you know, again, with with uh, cliched TV portrayals of women, even, you know, seemingly strong women, they'll give their man multiple chances even when he's being a total psycho. And I think she just ends it here. Right, I'm not wrong to be concerned. Babe, we're free of him. She's thinking about Jess. Yeah, I mean, Will's right. That just could take care of herself. It, but he's meddling, and that's what he realized after that last inter, uh, interaction, I think. I think he stops meddling, uh, but that doesn't last long when he tries to call Jessica later. He's just not a compelling actor. It, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't make it cringe where they, Rachel Taylor is able to you know, keep the, the serious tone of the conversation going. Yeah, I think he's overcompensating for the accent. I wonder if seeing it's like Damian Lewis, you know, you can tell he's overcompensating a bit with his mouth and what what's coming out of his mouth for being an English actor. I think Damian Lewis is better than this guy, but they're they're doing an inflection, you know, like trying to imitate an ac- an American accent. But the you know, the foreign actors that nail the American accent, who like I said are mostly Australian and German, not and not English. Like Rachel here, like she would tell Edgy of four, and like Malcolm as well, who's from Australia, is, you know, you need to just figure out the, like, average American dialect and just talk that way, unless you're from the South or something like that, you know. I mean, suburban Pennsylvania, you know, I, I mean, you've heard me talk a lot. I don't think I have a specific accent. I say a few words weird, but they're not all from Philly. Sometimes it's just stuff... Friends from other uh, from other cities say. Anyways, here come the flashbacks. Yeah, the the weird thing was that that this woman looked very similar to the woman that Kilgrave was controlling in the second or third episode when he was in that beautiful apartment and just uh, saw him for the first time. Uh oh, the bleeding. Oh yeah, Netflix. Thank you for doing this. Again, you know, maybe I'll stop Harvard got it. She thinks she's such a worse person. She blames the car crash on herself because she momentarily distracted her father who shouldn't have looked away from the road. Uh, so here, here's, yeah, here's the germination of the brilliant idea to try and turn Kilgrave into a superhero. And uh, I, I'll, I'll talk about it when we get there. But after it happens, and they're back, and Kilgrave has a buzz for helping those people, even though it has more to do with impressing Jessica than helping the people, um, Jessica talks to Trish, and Jessica says, you know, Trish, is is it possible that his obsession with me, I can kind of parlay that into him being a, you know, a superhero for good? And then she, I think she says, don't answer that, or Trish is quiet, and it's implied that Trish thinks the answer to that is yes. But Jessica does not, and Jessica would know. 
So, okay, so subtle things, okay? The night before, she didn't touch the food. She drank a couple bottles of wine, went to bed. Now she's drinking coffee. She's going to start eating her breakfast. She's going to start trying to connect with him. She's buttering him up. And he he wants it so badly that although she is, you know, disguising it a little bit by still acting like she doesn't give a fuck and she's disgusted to be there and has no respect for him, using her fingers for everything, he's watching... But she starts manipulating him here. This is where the whole series flips. Right here. With the old woman that's going to come in a second. Interesting. Before I met you, I rarely dwelled on anything. Not even Hope's family. Yeah. Wouldn't have to force me. Here comes the parents stuff. She starts digging. Right. Yeah, she, she, that's the thing. You remember everything about the experiences as if it really happened, because it did happen. Yeah, it's all about you. <laughs> Literally throwing me under the bus. Jesse Jones. This is a fantastic scene. I mean, the whole extended scene, but this exchange coming up with the the neighbor who acts like she loves you, but is up in your business and is just not a good person. And this being another quote-unquote gift from Kilgrave to Jessica and her playing it like she's accepting. I mean, there's so much going on with this tiny little, you know, set. Oh, it's not a set. This tiny little location. These three actors, not much being said, but so much is being said. The stories I could tell. Yeah. <laughs> Intrigued. Oh, oh, my little Jesse. God. Such a pair of tonsils. Right? Okay. Minor insult, I suppose. All right. He's actually lying to her that they've been having sex. Caterwauling. <laughs> okay, here it comes. This is important for Jessica to be standing in the back. Somehow her in a t-shirt. She's slouching too. That's supposed to communicate her supposed helplessness. Terrible cook. Uh, so this, I guess, is true about the cooking. Honey. <laughs> uh, here come the problems. She's just bored, this woman. Perfect look. I bet she's super sweet in real life. That's not true. Again, this is memory competition, like she has with Kilgrave a few times this series. Strangest tomboy. Which I think is true in real life, as I mentioned earlier. And uh, she definitely wasn't wearing princess dresses. <laughs> I'll wear one to your funeral. Yeah, the sharp wits. Okay, so here's the straight up lie. Oh no, this is it. Calling him a, a juvenile delinquent. Yeah, he seems like a great kid. Uh, leaving for vacation. She's talking about the day they all died. It, Kilgrave is is actually affected. He hates this woman because of what she's doing to Jessica right now. He, Kilgrave is emotionally in this. He's not thinking about anything else right now, which is very rare for him. He normally has a million plots going on, like the Joker. Okay, so the extent to which he can read minds as well as control them is, is really hard to know. 
he seemed to, it could just be instinct and his cynicism of people that she's bullshit, um, or that she's full of bullshit. It makes me feel important, right? Now he's controlling her to admit her sins. Yes, it is. Uh-huh. What would you do? I'd want to slap them. Yeah. Jessica's a better person than that. This actress is amazing. She's so scared right now being mind-controlled. Leave. Puts the food back. All of it. Yeah, he's trying to seduce her with his powers. That could help her. Yep, here's the rape stuff. Uh, and the thing is, he is really just trying to do an intimate touch. He doesn't care about sex. I mean, he can wait on the sex. He just wants to be intimate with her, be able to touch her and kiss her. Uh, there it is, rape, boom. Marvel. Right. Nice hotels and food make up for the rape. Right. This is intense. Right. Here it is, right. How do I know? Okay, so he can't really read minds. Even no idea. Right, he, he even if he wants to not manipulate people as we saw earlier at the house but <laughs> I would tell the man to go screw himself. Can you imagine? Third time he talks about the parents. You blame bad parenting? Well, she's blaming him, but it's a little different. (laughs) (laughs) I hate that word. They say rape at least four or five times. God bless them. This should be nominated for some kind of award, like a Peabody or something. Oh, there it is. She can have the flashback. Boom. The axe. The box. The yellow flash drive. There's Riva. Yeah, that was one one of the more intense flashbacks, just in terms of it uh, not having like weird filters or speed going on. All right, he slips big time here. He he should never have uh, revealed this this early. He wants to share it so badly, though. It's the thing. He loves her. You know, he's just a horrible person, but he tr- he does love her. Okay, so we don't ever get definitive evidence. So they set it up like he's experimented on by his parents who are like scientists, right? And that's where he got his powers. And then they say when we meet them later that they were trying to save him because he had degenerative brain disease that was going to kill him before he like became a teenager. And they say that, you know, you have to see the whole video and it's a difficult treatment, but you know they're able to save him. But they gave him these horrible powers, so they're also responsible for that by messing with nature. And he, again, Kilgrave is not lying when talking about the procedures, but he doesn't talk about why the procedures were happening. And to be honest with you, based on the parents' performance in a few episodes, I'm not convinced that Kilgrave is fully lying. You know, otherwise it's just so manipulative because y- you would think. Well, I guess usually they'd be saying, calm down, honey, this is for your own good. Kilgrave would only show her the ones where they're not saying, calm down, honey, it's for your own good. 
man, having a child actor be tortured over and over again, this kid just kills it. Oh, this is the video where he starts being able to control them. It's that, it's this final treatment. Yeah. She's touched by it. I mean, how can you not be? That could be a totally different kid, you know. <laughs> I love this. He's so classy. He's, you know, all best hotels and restaurants and, you know, probably plays and shows. And, nope, he's kicking back. The suburban uh, couple not getting along. He's going to watch TV with his feet up. <laughs> uh, th- okay, here we go. Here's here's the uh, crab fighting. Right, that's what you wanted from Riva. All right, so why why Riva, and why that box and that? Oh, that's that's the whole idea. Is he he's off the uh, he's off the grid? They think he's dead or something. Mm, he was ten. Yep, he still acts ten. W H I H. Yeah, that's the thing. This is the episode, the one episode where they're being honest with each other because he's in control or thinks he's in control. She lets him think that, but she's also not playing the victim. You know, they're sharing a lot. What happened with the neighbor? Seeing the footage of him being experimented on. Um, you know, this talk on the couch about parents and doing good. Yeah. Oh, uh, and this is where he tells them, if we're not back in two hours, you know, cut your throat or something. Oh, no. <laughs> so, okay. So the idea is Kilgrave has to be in proximity when broadcasting his, uh, you know, poisonous mind control, you know, initiative or whatever can't do it over the phone can't do it over a speaker now somehow the vacuum sealed uh you know tank that they're keeping him in starting at either the end of this episode or the beginning of the next you know the vacuum sealing somehow keeps him out of people's heads and so he has to persuade someone to get him out without th- using the voice, which I can't believe I haven't brought up Dune. It's just he's so different uh, than the Ben H.S. or it, but the voice is, you know, using your voice to control people. Capital T, capital V. Here it is. Let us through. Uh, he knows what Jessica's doing. And, you know, he acts again like a spoiled child the whole time that doesn't want to do what his parents are telling him. You know, go about our business, move along. Definitely a Star Wars reference, no doubt. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi, but cooler. Nice little uh, Marvel, Star Wars, Disney synergy going on there. Yeah, I have to admit, Disney having Star Wars and Marvel, what they've put out so far, uh, I'll, I'll give it to them, man. It's, you know, they're putting out the best shit.
<laughs> Shut up, Chuck. Yeah, right. Her truly thanking. He gets off on this later. <laughs> and first he tries to have the guy kill himself, which is great. <laughs> oh, man. Put put the gun in your mouth. He kill himself. Right. He's never going to be a productive member of society. <laughs> uh, he's trying to sell her on taxpayers, right? He hasn't paid his taxes his goddamn life. <laughs> she can outsmart him, you know, as clever and witty as he is. She's more so, and that's that's the attraction. She's the one woman that can make him weak and confused and, yeah. yeah he gives in to her. I mean, this is supposed to be his real breakthrough with her. It was proving that he could do good in her in her definition of good. <laughs> you just save four lives. He's really thinking it. Yeah, that's the thing. He's just—he's a child. That's the thing. That's the brilliant move—is making him act like a little boy that never grew up. It's the whole superhero thing. Balancing the scales. Oh God, she's sickened by this. And the moral math. He's thinking about getting back to zero. Oh my God. Right. Yeah, these are basic humanity, basic lessons of humanity. He'll do it just so they can be teammates. Dynamic to Batman Robin. <laughs> yep, he admits he wanted the guy to blow his brains out. I can't be here without you. She realizes it. And this is the conversation with Trish that's coming up. Yeah, where Jessica says, what's worse? Yeah, he's right about it. It's exciting. This is even worse than what she was thinking was going to happen here. Was was her actually leaving him alive and out in the open to help save people? Oh no, it's not on the phone. It's not the phone. She she goes to see Trish. I think face to face. He's still threatening her. Yeah. The thing is, he, even if he played less paranoid at this point, it would have changed what she does. Right, and she says the obvious. I initially came here on my own free will, and so trust that I'll come back on my own free will. But he's scared, because... Okay, here we go. <laughs> uh, this girl totally talks like Kristen Ritter. It's awesome. She, yeah. Uh-oh. Boom. Yeah, gotta see the car accident. Her survivor's guilt. That's tough to do, where they walk from distance, unfocused, in a smooth continuum to a perfect close-up and focus. Yep, it's face-to-face. Hi, Trish. Yep, gives her a hug. Yeah, as I've been saying throughout, but it's important to keep stressing that they go from from loving each other but being 
separated to, tr- to loving each other and never wanting to be separated as friends. It's a beautiful thing. You know, Trish will always do right by Jessica, even when Jessica doesn't want to do right by herself. She knows Jessica as well. Jessica knows herself maybe better. Right, sit down, get you a drink. She, oh, this is great. She keeps the whiskey for you. Yeah, she specifically keeps the whiskey in there for Jessica if she ever hangs out. <laughs> yeah, this is the big, this is the philosophical stuff. It seems just like plot stuff, but it, this is really an interesting ethical and moral question, impractical question. If you could harness Kilgrave, if you had a 50% chance of harnessing Kilgrave, you take that chance and possibly you stop crime, essentially. Trippy psychodrama bullshit, nightmare Barbie's dream house bullshit. That sums it up. Seven words. Brilliant writing. Um, for some reason, a lot of the directors are men. Uh, the writers are almost always women. And the showrunner, who I'm sure does the final or major pass of every script, Melissa Rosenberg, she's running the show. It's great or just interesting that a male comic book writer i mean i guess there aren't that many female comic book writers that's the problem but that brian michael bendis would have the insight into the female soul to this extent what if you could teach him to be more like you right show him how to use his powers She'd have to live with him. Have to give up her life. Yeah, never have sex. Right. I mean, she's not thinking far enough. He'd eventually tire of all this. This you know, charade. Right. But you could potentially change the world. And this is the problem. If you have gifts and you want to change the world in a positive way, do it. But don't think that you can manipulate someone else to do the same thing. Right, there it is. Yes, you do. You just don't want me to do it. Yeah, can't be all on you. Yeah, her sister's her friend, her sister, her confessor. Her mentor. Mm -hmm. Hogarth... Still dealing with Wendy? I think, yeah, people just got tired of the Hogarth-Wendy stuff. You you didn't need that much time between the two of them. But, you know, if you just break down the episodes, there's never, like, a scene between the two of them where it's just, you know, where it's not interesting. But I, I could see cutting some of the lawyer stuff. And just a very quick scene here showing that she's being even more threatened. I can't believe, with everything going on with Kilgrave and Hope, she's still trying to get Jessica to, oh my god, still trying to get Jessica to uh, deal with Wendy. That That's really the most inexcusable thing. Everything else is hearsay about how horrible she, you know, used to be to Wendy, but, you know, <laughs> her being oblivious of the greater good. Oh, oh, this is their first contact. He must know who Hogarth is with Jessica visiting there all the time. He might recognize her. She might be that famous. You know, lawyers on fucking train stations. Bitches. <laughs> Bitches are right. 
He just wants to play. He does. He just wants to play and let the world burn. So, we have to imagine there's a longer conversation with Trish. Or maybe not. Maybe they don't say it with words. But Jessica, between then and now, decides, I can't trust this guy to be a superhero. Time for plan A again. <laughs> Take him out and throw him into a vacuum-sealed room and electrocute him over and over and over again. Oh, yeah, she's serving the food. This is great. I can't believe he's buying this after a, you know, a day and a half. Chinese food. That's a nice character touch. You'd think he'd be too snobby for Chinese food. You're right. About what? Mm, balance the scales out. Alright. You think she's taking Trisha's advice? <laughs> yeah, he's taking anything she gives him. Right, just to sell it. Like it's a real idea. Uh, yeah, this is great. <laughs> First up in heroism, don't be a prick. Yeah. Yeah, she's giving lessons, giving classes, bringing them on her side. This is great. This is great. This is great. This whole episode is set up to be a chauvinistic, masochistic, you know, emotional rape, ongoing rape of Jessica Jones. And while that is happening on the surface, she has been manipulating the whole situation the entire time for this, where he loses his guard. Lucy's guard is eating with her, trusts her, and oh, she poisoned. She poisoned their food. Oh yeah, baby. Uh, this is what Jessica would do. Yeah, <laughs> I love her. I love her. She's my female avatar. I've had her as my avatar on Facebook, on and off. Jessica Jones, my hero. I know. I mean, Claire Danes' world in Homeland, I just can't even relate to the possibility. But the street-level hero in Hell's Kitchen in Manhattan, New York, TCB in it, taking care of business. She lifts up Kilgrave. <laughs> and that's great. She's, you know. And so the question is, when she went to go to talk to Trish, was she really looking for advice or she just wanted to see Trish in case things went wrong or something? Hard to tell. You know, once this happens, you can see a mile away. Oh, no, here's oil. Try to screw things up. Oh, maybe not. Oh, he's... Okay, this guy's mind-controlled. I forgot. Oh, shit. He just got dropped. (laughs) Yeah, it's cartoonish with oil, but everything else... Oh, no. Simpson versus Jessica. Oh, right. She jumps away. That's great. And they sell it through performance. It's like Cap jumping out of the plane. He knows she can do it. Shit. It's his safe house, though. That's what I don't don't get. Oh, my God. Okay, this is a total Breaking Bad. This is the tortoise with the exploding head. This is exactly like the tortoise with the exploding head in the Mexican border at uh, season three or four of uh, of Breaking Bad. 
Oh. I think the car was rigged, too. That was a hell of an explosion. Look at the body parts everywhere. Oh, my God. The fact that Will survived that is, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a tough pill to swallow. But this is, uh, this is, yeah. No, this is Hank almost getting blown up by the tortoise with the head. Always has contingency plans, does Kelgrave. Wonder how he set this one up. He must have told her, if I ever get taken away or captured, that you should do this. But again, he would have had to do that twice a day with a neighbor, which he's able to do. So, that episode's on the Mount Rushmore. It's really a two-parter. Episode 9, a.k.a. Sinbin. Sinbin, I mean, these two episodes are, are in my top you know, 10 episodes ever of television. They go back-to-back. It's glorious. In Battlestar, it's episodes four and five of season one when Starbucks on the planet and they're really literally risking the human race to save her, even though they're mad at her because she's Starbuck. And, uh, you know, the Avon uh, Stringer episodes at the end of season three, um, a lot of Homeland season one, I would say Brody in the cabin. Some people don't like that episode. I normally don't like the lovey-dovey episodes, but because that's, you know, it, it was all about the subtext there. Uh, it's great. So I can't wait to jump into episode nine and I will see you there.